Welcome to the Startup Climb podcast. I'm your host, Ewin. Startup Climb is a weekly podcast show where we bring you conversations with startup founders. Through the podcast, you will gain a behind-the-scenes look at their journey, their struggles, and what it takes to run a startup. On today's episode, we have Dielu, director of the APEC Ventures team at Plug and Play Tech Center. He hits the regional ventures team, sourcing for startups and making investments in the region. Welcome, Dielun. Hi, Dielun. Hello. Hi. Hi. So let's just jump right into it. Um, for people that might not know what you do at Plug and Play, could you just share a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, first of all, I, I think thanks, Ikeun, uh, for uh, inviting me to this uh, podcast. Uh, quite an interesting project you have here. Um, so, um, just to share uh, what I do at Plug and Play is that um, uh, beginning from, let's say, uh, introducing about Plug and Play, the organization, uh, we're a Silicon Valley headquartered uh, VC and accelerator and uh, corporate innovation platform. So, essentially, we invest in startups at an early stage. Um, our check sizes range between 100 to 200,000 US dollars. We can invest uh, from pre seed all the way to Series A maximum. And we tend to follow rounds we don't lead. So we're very investor friendly um, and we're vertical agnostic as well. So we uh, invest in all kinds of uh, you know, startups and companies. On the corporate innovation side, essentially what it is is that it, uh, we work with uh, corporate partners, you know, the major uh, MNCs of the world like Daimler, like, um, like BNP Paribas and things like that. So what we do is we um, we, we help them in terms of their sourcing uh, um, efforts, right? So we work with their innovation teams. So that usually the innovation teams will come to us with uh, problem statements um, or focus areas that they want to look for. And we help them source for companies and startups and technologies. And basically we bridge the connection Right. So um, these corporates are um, our, uh, the, the corporate innovation platform is essentially our uh, main revenue generating business. Uh, and besides just uh, sourcing and uh, matchmaking startups, we also do uh, accelerator programs for these companies as well. So plug and play, we are quite global. We are now in about 30 plus uh, cities and locations. Uh, in Asia, we're in uh, Japan, China, and Southeast Asia. With Southeast Asia, uh, Singapore is the headquarters for Southeast Asia. Other locations in Southeast Asia are Bangkok, Manila, Jakarta, and so on. So what I do is I, I, I manage the ventures team across Southeast Asia. And uh, what the ventures team does is you can think of us like the VC arm of plug and play. So we do all the sourcing the curation and the matchmaking of startups to corporates as well as uh, investments. Right. So let's go a little bit into your background then. Like, why do you choose to go into like the whole startup scene in the first place? Like, what interests you in the startup scene? Right. Okay. So um, uh, I guess uh, my interest in startups and entrepreneurship uh, actually came about when I participated in this uh University program, which you might be familiar, it's uh, NOC. So it stands for right, right. NUS Overseas Colleges. Um, so I got the chance to actually uh, go to Shanghai for a year. Uh, and the whole idea is to intern in uh, startups. Uh, but of course, uh, back, back in the day, and that was in 2009, uh, there, weren't mu- there weren't much uh, startups in Shanghai. 
So, um, so it wasn't a pure, you know, startup-focused uh, experience. But nevertheless, uh, it was a great experience uh, in terms of, uh, you know, exposing myself to the business culture of, uh, of uh, China, right? So, so I got interested in entrepreneurship uh, through that program. Um, and um, after graduation, um, to be honest, the initial thought wasn't to, you know, uh, I, I was still quite lost, right? I, I was still exploring, you know, which are the industries I should uh, participate in or, um, or rather um, get involved in. So my first job was actually in a bank uh, doing operations. Yeah. And uh, that got uh, boring very quickly. Uh, so I sort of uh, decided, hey, I should try uh, to really experience working in a startup. So I joined a startup doing sales. So that went on for a year. And um, after that, that, that got me connected with a, a tech association in Singapore, managing a startup program, which I thought was quite perfect because you're in a position where you can, you know, meet a lot of founders, a lot of startups, you know, hear them pitch. Um, and then of course, on the other side, I get to connect uh, investor mentors, uh, you know, the more experienced people in the industry that, that invest in startups, you know, and uh, we, I get to hear their feedback of the startups and the whole idea is to you know uh process the pre-stage grant uh, government grant it's called iGEM at the time so i pretty much got connected with a lot of uh, startups back then as well as investors and that got me um, sort of uh, connected with uh, plug and play and uh, i got the I, I when i got the opportunity i you know sh shifted to plug and play which is a more vc kind of role Right, right. So I guess like with your role in plug and play, uh, you have seen a lot of startups in your time in the startup ecosystem as well. So what is the biggest contributing factor in your opinion that contributes to the success of a startup? Um, I think biggest factor, I guess, would be, I would say the founding team. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of investors will agree because let's say if a, a team comes to you and, and pitches a certain product for a certain market. You know, sometimes the market might not be big enough or the product might not be uh, sort of uh, technologically sophisticated enough. But if you have a very solid founding team, usually what, what will happen is they will pivot, they will learn from the experience and they, they will be able to, you know, intelligently pivot to um, another product or another market. You know, and eventually smart people find a way. So the whole idea, I guess, is to, you know, look for the very strong founding teams with the right relevant experiences and network. And of course, the ability to experiment uh, rapidly, learn from mistakes, execute and, uh, you know, really capture the market uh, very quickly. Right. So the follow-up question to that would then be like, how do you then identify that in a founder? Because I mean, like, uh, and the initial stage, you won't get a lot of like face-to-face -face with the founder. Maybe it's only for their pitching sessions or their, their investor deck that, uh, that they send in. So like, how do you tell whether the founders possess such qualities at such a short amount of time? Yeah, okay. So yeah, of course, when we, when we meet founders, we usually have like, uh, you know, 30 minutes or one hour conversation with them initially. Um, we would actually look at their deck, you know, uh, the investment deck, and it gives us pretty much um, most of the information that we need, right? And of course, the, the one-hour meeting would be 
to ask these ask questions that we have and try to deep dive as much as we can. So in a, in a one hour, I guess, uh, to find out if they are um, a good founder or a bad founder or um, do they have the relevant you know, experiences, I guess it's, you, can, you can pretty much tell from asking questions, right? Like, um, so the, the, the way you ask questions would be, would be actually very important here to find out you know, what you need. Most of the time, um, there is some nonverbal aspects to the, the, the meeting as well, whereby you would observe how passionate or how energetic the founder is. Uh, you get a sense of their, you know, their passion in this industry, um, whether or not they actually feel the pain um, that they are trying to solve or um, whether or not they are passionate enough to persevere through the, you know, the hard times, right? Because starting a company is really difficult. Um, uh, so the, it's very important that um, uh, the founders can sort of uh, persevere and uh, not give up in, in times of adversity. Uh, and I would say that um, that is one of the more important uh, traits of a founder, right? Perseverance. Right. So how has pitching changed um, because of COVID? Like, you know, when you move everything online, it's a bit more difficult to tell the non-verbal cues because it's harder to identify body language. So like, do you feel like anything has changed um, since COVID happened? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So after COVID, essentially, we, we can only do uh, video calls, right? And of course, uh, through the video calls, it's a little bit harder to um, to sort of uh, pick up all these nonverbal cues compared to the face-to-face -face meetups. I would say that it kind of takes a little bit more convincing on our end. So multiple times of um, you know meetups, uh, more video calls uh, to understand the team, to build the relationship with the team. Um, I guess yeah, that is pretty much um, you know. Uh, what it is yeah so i guess the 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 dynamics does change from what i say from what what i see but um it's just a, a matter of um you being comfortable with uh the, the team that you are talking to and them being comfortable with you as an investor as well right and although it's um it's not ideal that we that we do that through video but um i guess uh uh, I guess more frequent or uh, more sort of uh, touch points with with uh, sort of uh, bridge that gap. Right. So I I guess you sort of touched on this question earlier, but what makes a startup investable in your opinion? Mm. Okay. So uh, what makes a startup investable? I guess for, from our side, we look at three things. Um, so one thing would definitely be team, right? So I say it's a uh, Three T's, right? The team, the technology, and the traction, right? So the team I've already covered uh, quite extensively. Uh, for the technology part, it just refers to you know, is it um, what is your what is the team's or rather what is the product's core proprietary technology? Is it sophisticated enough? Is it defensible enough? Is it easily replicated? Does it really solve the problem? And so on and so forth. So it's essentially is what the product is, right? And uh, the last one, which is traction, which uh, is basically uh, more of a, like a risk mitigating factor, I would say, because with traction, it means that uh, people are paying for your product and, um, and that, that reduces the risk by a lot, right? 
once you know that there's people willing to pay for a product, you just have to really launch your product and make it available to the entire market. So, um, so the three keys here. Right. So, is profitability like important at the point of investment? Like, do you require the startup to be profitable? Is that important in your opinion? Um, I would say, uh, yeah. I mean, as a, as a VC, you should usually that is not important at the at the beginning. Uh, most VCs will look at growth uh, versus uh, profitability at the beginning. But um, you know, after the the WeWork and Uber um, IPO, uh, a few lessons were learned, right? So we we tend to to look at profitability a little bit more seriously now. So at least um, uh, you know, at the beginning, although we don't focus on you know the profitability of the company at the beginning, but we need to see a path to profitability. We need to we need to see that the entrepreneur, the founders, uh, they do have a plan to actually become profitable, right? If not, uh, it would be something. It will end up, uh, you know, becoming like the next WeWork or the next uh, Uber, right? Right, right. So pulling back a bit, right? Um, because your current uh work at Plug and Play allows you to sort of like take a look at the startup ecosystem across Southeast Asia, um. Looking at different startups in the region, what is like what are like the difference between like the startups in your opinion, like the major differences? Mm, okay, good question. Um, so I, I I do have um, quite uh, good visibility in uh, of the startups in Indonesia because I used to be traveling there quite often, like once a month, uh, to set up our Indonesia office. Um, but the other locations like. Thailand, Thailand, we just actually launched our office, uh, haven't uh, experienced as much yet. Um, we don't have uh, offices in Vietnam, nor in Malaysia. Uh, we have uh, uh, some people in, in Manila, but uh, I would say I, I, can, I can basically um, sort of uh, share more about the Indonesia versus uh, right. Singapore, right? And I guess Indonesia is slightly ahead of the other Southeast Asian countries in terms of the startup ecosystem, I would say. So comparing these two um, locations, um, of course, um, different locations have different pro problems, right? Um, and um, that's why there's different startups solving different uh, topics, right? So for example, in Indonesia, we see a lot of, uh, I mean, because of the, the huge unbanked population, uh, we see a lot of financial inclusion companies, you know, peer-to-peer -peer lending companies, credit, alternate credit scoring companies, uh, e-wallets, and so on and so forth. Whereas, um, you know, e-wallets might not be as uh, effective here in Singapore because we already have credit cards, things like that. Or, uh, or, or microloans might not be as uh, prominent here in Singapore. So that's uh, one thing. So thematic uh, differences between two countries, right? And I guess the other thing is that um, uh, I see that Singapore uh, startups are definitely more advanced. Uh, I would say Singapore, if you, if you look at the startups here in Singapore right now, uh, most of them are shifting towards deep tech or are already in you know the deep tech uh, space. Whereas for Indonesia, they're still solving uh, the 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 level one problems that, that they have, right? So for example, um, 
uh, most of the bigger companies are, you know, e-commerce and Indonesia, right? Because um, because of the the fact that uh, they have a huge population, um, and uh, that is an issue, uh, you know, getting uh, products uh, delivered to them uh, is 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 probably the the main issue here. Uh, whereas for Singapore, it's a small country, uh, yeah. So so the technological uh, uh, you know level is definitely different uh, between Singapore and Indonesia. We see a lot of uh, more deep tech, advanced tech. Uh, we also see a lot of B2B, B2B focused companies in Singapore compared to Indonesia, where um, it's more B2C, just simply because right. of the bigger population over there and bigger market. Right. So then is it more difficult um, for startups to expand in the region because like different countries have different like needs and stuff like that? Mm. I would say uh, it is difficult, but uh, but it's not because of I guess the different needs. Because if you if you if you look at look at the look at the, uh, the various countries uh, besides Singapore, the other Southeast Asian countries are pretty much uh, uh, similar in that sense, right? Um, but I I would say that the 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 difficulty in expansion would would be more apparent uh, for localizing the product to different cultures rather than the different needs there, right? For example, uh, uh, as you know, Southeast Asia, we are very fragmented. Uh, each country has uh, their different languages and different cultures. So, um, so it's not like a uniform sort of a country like, let's say, China, right? We have, it's a huge space, but, um, you know, everybody speaks Chinese. They have the same culture, so it's easy. But in Southeast Asia, it's a huge space, but it's very fragmented. Uh, it's uh, different cultures in Thailand, different cultures in Indonesia. Uh, so, so the difficulty here is that you have to probably localize in each location. Got it. So it's very difficult to, and I guess also uh, resource intensive for you to localize as well, which a startup might not have uh, if they don't have like investors and stuff like that. So I'd like to move a little bit towards like the reflection side of things. So in your opinion, being in like the startup ecosystem for, for so long, what is like your greatest struggle thus far that you feel um, maybe you could have done something differently or that when you look back on, it's like a lesson that you learned? Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, good question. So uh, I guess one thing that I've learned uh, is that I... I, I I I wish I I had um, I had realized some uh, principles uh, earlier, right? For example, I have been uh, with Plug and Play for five years, and I guess within the ecosystem for about at least seven years. Um, but um, I've I've only recently kind of uh, understood the the sort of like the VC way of doing things right um, and what i mean by that is that uh, the vc way of doing things is uh, really very relationship focused um, you know you try to uh, build relationships with both founders and other investors and that kind of uh, builds your network as well and uh, because uh, why i say it's a very very relationship focused uh, uh, sort of uh, industry is because uh, if you if you are doing sourcing for startups, the the better deals actually come from referrals. Um, 
And um, to get referrals, you need to you know, know a lot of uh, other VCs, other investors. And at the same time, you need to build a good relationship with them. Right? You need to, you need to uh, show that uh, you can provide value uh, before uh, they would actually you know, uh, refer something to you. Right? And that goes the same for founders as well. So founders, they know other founders. And um, if you actually are able to sort of uh, build a better relationship with all the founders that you meet, um, even though you don't invest in them, uh, they're more likely to sort of refer other startups to you, right? So, so, so it's very relationship-based um, uh, kind of industry. And um, I wish I could have sort of uh, understood that much earlier uh, and, uh, you know, build a better sort of uh, network for myself back then. Yeah. So that was, I guess, something that uh, I sort of uh, regretted. Right, right. So then let's go on like the other side of things then. Like what is like your greatest accomplishment or success in your opinion thus far? Mm, <laughs> that's also a very hard question to uh, answer. Um, I would say that uh, I, I guess there's a few things, but um, if it's something more personal, I would say that um, um, through my times in plug and play, I was able to sort of uh, uh, be invited to panels uh, at events, at conferences, to actually share my thoughts. Um, so that that is something uh, interesting to me because um, I've been a very introverted, you know, person, very you know, camera shy, or uh, I've no experience in public speaking. Right. So um, so through this. Through, uh, I guess, uh, working in this industry, you, you get to actually expose yourself to all these conferences and, and these panels. And, and it's something that is very, uh, it's a big step for me, I'd say. So speaking to, you know, an auditorium of, uh, you know, audiences, answering questions, uh, sharing your thoughts. So that's, uh, I guess, something that is uh, interesting to happen. Right. So I guess I'd like to wrap up this podcast with two more questions. So one is like, is there like any resources or books that you would recommend to like startup founders? Mm, yeah. Okay. So I think um, depending on the stage, right? So if you're an early stage uh, startup founder or looking to start something, really, you know, you have ideas, but you don't know how to begin. Uh, I would recommend uh, the Lean Startup uh, uh, book. Um by Eric right. Rice, right? I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, a very interesting book because it, it teaches you how to experiment uh, and validate your idea, right? So so that to so that you don't uh, waste time uh, and effort or resources to build something that nobody wants. So that's a that's a very useful book. Uh, for for startups that are more mature and are already uh, you know raising funds, I would recommend venture deals. Uh, you know it's a it's a I don't know if you've heard as well. So basically, it's a book that uh, that uh, basically highlights all the uh, venture capital investment terms and what to look out for, so that uh, you can uh, effectively negotiate with your investor. So these are the right yeah. right. So it's like a guidebook of sort yes, of yes. so sort of for funding particularly right got it 
Cool. So like the last question I have, I, I guess it's sort of answered previously, but what is one advice um, that you will give to your past self? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, I kind of uh, answered that already. So um, I, yeah, so I do wish that uh, I, I would advise my past self uh, to be more sort of uh, wary of uh, building relationships um, and uh, because I kind of realized it really late. So uh, right. if I could sort of, uh, you know, build a relationship, uh, sort of start building this, uh, start understanding, you know, what, how the industry works, uh, you know, I would have been uh, at a sort of a much better place right now. Uh, right. So do you feel that this uh, relationship building thing extends to founders as well? Yeah, of course. Like, is it very important for the founders to have like great relationship with everybody in the ecosystem as well? Yeah, I, I, I do think so. Um, I, in, and in fact, I think building relationships is uh, it's, 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 it's a very general uh, um, sort of advice for business relations, right? So. In, in, in businesses, right. you know, you have to build relationships with your, you know, suppliers or your customers, you know, things like that. So that's a very generic advice. But uh, I would say for founders, um, relationship building is yes very important because you are in you, you need you need funds, right? You need to raise money, and um, investors typically will only invest if they feel comfortable uh, with you as a person, as well as uh, you know, the company that you're building. Uh, so it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just uh, how, how good your company is, it's also really a personal thing. Uh, because as an investor and as a founder, uh, when an investor invests, invests in a startup, it's, it's like, you know, you're getting a, the founder, you're, you're getting like a partner that, um, that will last, you know, your entire journey of the startup, right? So the investor will, right. will be in your cap table uh, to you and this exit the company. So it's like a, it's like a partnership, I would say. So when when you when you decide who to be your partners, you need to you know be comfortable with the person. It's like you know getting married. Right, right. Cool. Thank you for taking time out to talk to me today, Tian. No worries. You're welcome. Thank you. We've come to the end of this episode. I hope that this has been an insightful episode for you. You can find more episodes by searching Startup Climb on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Till next time, take care.